Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. It's 2020, and political goings-on seem to be getting top billing in our news systems. The question of which candidate might do well in which state primary and the general election to follow is even finding its way to Las Vegas gambling parlors as if it were football or basketball playoffs. How much who's spending and whether past comments or positions will kneecap this candidate or that one with voters offers a constant slew of opinions from everyone and his or her dog. What doesn't get discussed quite as much is the ideas that candidates are offering. Those ideas get compressed into slogans like Medicare for all or the Freedom Dividend, $1,000 guaranteed income or the Douglas Plan. Most of us don't take the time to read the details of these plans and that's a shame because if we do, sometimes by the time we get around to it, it's too late. For example, what was the rationale behind former candidate Andrew Yang's idea of giving every American 18 years of age or older $1,000 a month? Incidentally, it's useful to recall that the idea of a guaranteed minimum income was originated on a wide scale by Milton Friedman, you know, the father of supply-side economics who Ronald Reagan and pretty near all those who followed him embraced and embraced to this day. At any rate, was Yang's idea aimed at reducing financial inequality, the level of which America has not seen since the Gilded Age at the end of the 19th century, and maybe not even then? That may have been part of the rationale. But the real news for us at the Electronic Cottage was Yang's realization that automation and artificial intelligence were going to change the nature of, and even the possibility of, working. The McKinsey consulting firm predicts that a third of Americans will lose their jobs to automation of one type or another by 2030, which, if you're counting, is about 10 years away. Oddly, no other candidates of any party seem to have noticed the enormous change this technology is going to bring to our society. Some politicians are screaming about bringing jobs back from overseas. In the larger scheme of things, however, the magnitude of any job loss due to offshoring is small when compared to job loss due to automation. And as AI and machine learning keep improving, worker displacement will expand both in numbers and in the types of work affected. To date, the majority of automation has hit repetitious physical tasks the hardest. But as the 2016 report from the 100-year study on AI, entitled Artificial Intelligence and Life in 2030, observed, quote, the economic effects of AI on cognitive human jobs will be analogous to the effects of automation and robotics on humans in manufacturing jobs. Many middle-aged workers have lost well-paying factory jobs and the socioeconomic status in family and society that traditionally went with such jobs. An even larger fraction of the total workforce may, in the long run, lose well-paying, quote, cognitive jobs. As labor becomes a less important factor in production as compared to owning intellectual capital, a majority of citizens may find the value of their labor 
insufficient to pay for a socially acceptable standard of living. These changes will require a political rather than a purely economic response concerning what kind of social safety net should be in place to protect people from large structural shifts in the economy. Absent mitigating policies, the beneficiaries of these shifts may be a small group at the upper stratum of society." End quote. At this point, that report is already five years old, and its observation has been borne out by experience to date. Will it be as accurate in 2030? We'll see. But waiting until 2030 to take action is probably not a good plan. Yang, at least, proposed a step that might serve to reduce at least some of the economic upheaval that will be brought on by the technology on our horizon. Other candidates, however, seem to be waiting or perhaps not noticing at all. News headlines seldom, if ever, mention the effects of artificial intelligence on our everyday lives right now. If major outlets do look at artificial intelligence, it's often in the context of some sci-fi future. But AI is here today, and its effects and implications are already being felt, for better and, in some cases, for worse, depending on who you are. If you're someone who's benefiting from a new cutting-edge medical technology that artificial intelligence makes possible, then the effect is certainly a boon to you. If, on the other hand, you're a middle-aged worker laid off due to AI from a white-collar job you've done for 20 years, a travel agent, for example, your hope of finding a similar job at an equivalent rate of pay is pretty slim, and AI is not a benefit at all. For you, AI is here, and it's here today. Scanning the table of contents of, for example, the monthly Communications of the ACM magazine over the past few years reinforces that fact. ACM, by the way, stands for Association for Computing Machinery. Here are a few recent article titles. AI Judges and Juries. Automation in Policing. Digital Doppelgangers. Emotionally Sentient Agents. Tracking Shoppers. Is there a theme emerging here? There is certainly a reality for us to be aware of even if most political candidates at present don't seem to be. So, we'll take the next few episodes to look a little more closely at how AI and machine learning are affecting our lives today and will be tomorrow, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. Music